Tabletop Unknown. Hello and welcome to Tabletop Unknown, the show where we play test lesser known tabletop role playing games. My name is Jesse, and with me this season is not Will. No, it's not Will. It's me, Aiden. Hello, Aiden. Hi. You're filling in for Will for me. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's uh, it's my pleasure. Now, yeah. you've, you've been on the show before, haven't you? I have. I played Bubble Gumshoe. I played a maybe gay, maybe straight German <laughs> hunk. German. That's right, yeah. That was a fun time. And you're also in uh, Honey Heist as well. Oh my god, which I forgot all got, about that. I forgot all... that this was... Oh uh, yeah, we played Honey Heist. That was in isolation. That yeah, was, we were doing that in lockdown. That was a lot of fun. That, that was, was that, that sort of descended into madness and chaos. Yeah, and I think it was because you all decided that you were going to betray each other at the same time. The thing you got to remember is that when you're, you know, dealing with me, Matt and Ben from that podcast, we will always betray each yeah, other. Great. In real life and in bear form. As long as you know that, I feel like it's fine. <laughs> like, you go yeah. in knowing it. Strong basis. Um, so, and on this podcast, we choose a system, we test it with players, and then we talk about it. Yeah, and this season, we are exploring Alien, the role-playing game, by Free League. Yeah, which is very exciting. Oh. It's, to be clear, we have already played it, we're now recording afterwards. Full disclosure. Um, so, I guess, first of all, so the reason Will isn't here is that he's on paternity leave. Um, yeah, little baby. Little baby, and he's spending t- time with his gorgeous new daughter. Yeah. So... Small, very small. Tiny little, tiny little, tiny little girl. So I stepped in and got to play what I think is one of my favorite role-playing experiences so far. Really? Uh, definitely the most fun I had on this podcast. <laughs> nice. Well, this, I, this might, is your third season. Yeah, it so. may well be because Will wasn't here or it might be the role-playing um, We'll never know. Game. We we'll won't know, know because we'll never do Alien with Will. No. <laughs> Ever. Sucked in Will if you're listening. Um, so uh, the structure of the season, the way this works, episode one is this episode we talk about the system and how it works. We talk about the rules, the mechanics, and just sort of the main things you need to know if you want to get started and you need just a different perspective on it other than just reading the source book. Because sometimes that can be a lot. Um, episodes 2 to generally 5, we do the real play story with some of our actor friends or just general friends that play D&D or other stuff like that. Um, and then our last episode is a pizza talk where we debrief and we go through the different options that I came up with if I was DMing, which I am, surprise, and talk about the system as a whole and what we liked and what we didn't like. And if we think it represents the IP that it's meant to be a part of. Yeah. Um, so I guess we're going to talk about who made this system and why. Well, yeah. Free League made this system... Um, why did they make? Why did they make? Though? That's a great. I I don't know, and I think we have never talked about why ever. So well, why it's on my notes, I don't know. I can tell you this much: it's a cool IP. It's it's one of my favorite IPs, and it's so well loved. Mm. So I can see why they would have thought yeah. to, to put it in, and, and it's a cool world to live in. Absolutely, and that was the thing. Like I didn't um know anything about Alien before playing this game, so I watched Alien and Aliens. Yeah, that's to- wild, by the way. To, I know, I, and I'm like, it's so heavy in the zeitgeist. I think I saw Prometheus, or I saw half of Prometheus once. Uh, do you know what? I'm probably your opinion. I kind of like Prometheus. I enjoyed Prometheus as well, yeah. having not watched any other content from that world before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. Um, so, game director was Thomas Harenstam. I hope I said that right. 
Um, the setting writer is uh, Andrew E.C. Gasker. The lead artist for the book was a person called Martin Grip. The book is beautiful, by the way. Oh, the art is... I was just thinking that, how cool it is and all the careers and stuff. They're awesome. I literally looking at the pictures for the careers were made me got, walk... Yeah. That, that's how I got excited for yeah. this game. Yeah. And then the graphic design was done by Christian Granith. So they're sort of the main development group, I think. Um, for people, maybe because I know you're a freak and you haven't seen Alien or hadn't seen Alien, but there are some people that haven't mm. or potentially. So will we give them some sort of overview of the Alien world and IP just to give a little bit of a taste? Absolutely. So Alien is set, I guess, in a... Um, the book describes it as a retro-futuristic uh, space dystopia. Dystopia. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, retro. Yeah, I've said that several times. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of that, that idea, like a, like kind of like Star Wars of like used space. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's got that. It's like used. It's a little dirty. It's got retro computers and things like that in it. So yeah, which the game lends he- leans heavily into like CRT monitors, yeah. massive heavy computers, all that sort of stuff. Like old school, what seventies thought, seventies and eighties thought the future was going to. And look that like. even goes into the guns and the weapons and things that you can use and like the the equipment and stuff which we might talk about i I doubt it but it's really cool yeah but the central premise of alien is that is it it is a horror and terror sort of space (laughs) uh the game revolves around the sort of elevation of fear it's called or the, the the raising of the stakes of that sort of principle um which is really cool and it gives you help to do it so if you don't know how to do it don't worry it's in there um and it follows essentially the same sort of formula that the original movie does. Mm. The good thing about this source book is that it takes it takes information from across the entire intellectual property of the alien space, not the Predator space. Just want to put that out there as well. Even though yeah. there's AVP and all that sort of stuff. They're not canon. Not canon. They're not... Well, at least not for this. I don't even think they're canon in the normal IP. Really? Either, okay. I believe. There you go. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so there's no Predator stuff, just alien. So if you were looking for some of that stuff, you might have to homebrew it, but yeah, not in the book, unfortunately. Um, it's a really exciting game to play. I found myself getting worked up as the DM. Oh, I mean, all three of us, like players, were frightened and, um... It was, it was, it's, I feel like, I think I said it maybe in the final episode, so stay tuned to see if I'm right, but it's, it's a real helper to, um, role-playing, I feel. Mm. Like, it, they, they, the, the game does such a great job on, um, on making fear and helping you role-play. And, yeah. And, and, and so it, when you're starting, I guess you have to choose in a normal, like in a and d world or in any other role playing you always have to just choose like a, a class or a yeah something like that in this one it's called careers and you have nine to choose from and they're all awesome so we'll get down into the classes which again as we said is probably like a f- coolest looking part it's it's definitely was my the hardest choice for me really yeah and and remember and i don't know if we've got this on our list but you can also be a synthetic which is excellent which is really yeah, cool so really there's another fun. layer of things to each class as well so your classes are your colonial marine, um, your colonial marshal, your company agent, which is so cool. So cool. A kid, you can be a kid, which is an interesting thing to have a class for. I haven't seen many of that 
I think that's the the kid class is replicating um, the Newt stuff in Aliens with the child and how she couldn't be found. So I think the kid's actually like your stealth character. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Which is really cool because the stealth character is always like edgy and like and usually does like an enormous amount of damage or something but I don't imagine a kid's going to be doing that so which is so cool yeah so you've got your kid you've also got a medic which comes in really handy (laughs) Uh, you'll you'll learn from the end of our game or maybe you won't but you'll definitely will you've got an officer who's law um, you know just a a, a sort of a grunt you've got a pilot pretty self-explanatory your roughneck who we were talking about before um, and a scientist which are awesome and yeah, I played a scientist and I really, really loved it. They're pretty great. I, yeah. The good thing about these classes is they all have their own specialties in a way that is relevant to the alien universe. So you never feel underutilized when you choose any class. Uh, yeah, I think they do a really good job of like making sure that every person feels like they've got something that they can do that nobody else can do. Yeah. Um, yeah. While also making it like if I was not there, somebody else could have done a science or an analyst check or an analyze, but it would have been easier for the scientist to do it. And it yes. really makes you really feel like you're, um, you feel, you know, you're doing well. And on that, um, you know, you're, you, that's where your attributes come in handy, I yep. guess, I think, yep. um, if you want to explain about a little yeah, bit more about that. Absolutely. So there's four key attributes, which is so refreshing to the six of oh, most games. Yeah. It's just a lot less you need to think about. <clears throat> so we have strength, agility, empathy, and wits. Mm-hmm. Right? Pretty straightforward. Your strength is all your physical stuff. Agility is all your hand-eye coordination and speed-based stuff. Empathy is your social skill. Yeah, kind of like charisma, yeah, I would charisma. say. Yeah. And wits is your intelligent or sort of wisdom as well. They're, it is interesting, though, because on the outside of those are skills. Are they yes. the skills? Yeah. And they, I, I mean, let's go through them quickly and then I've, sure. got, a, I've got a thought about them. So each each one of those attributes has three core skills that stick to them that are derived from them. I mean, I've talked about deriv, de, de, derived stats before. And it's just something that you get another number from. So the skills for... Strength are, and this encompasses pretty much all rolling for yep. the game. Yep. Is these three, four, each of the four. So for st- under strength, you have close combat, stamina, and heavy machinery, all pretty self-explanatory. Agility, you got ranged combat, mobility, mobility, and piloting. Again, pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Wits, observation. That's essentially your perception skills. Mm-hmm. Survival. Again, very, very obvious. Com tech, which is any use of computers. Or technology, or communi- or communications, that sort yes, of stuff. Yes, it's kind of like an IT check. Yeah, pretty much. It's just any. It would like encompass all like any sort of used device mm-hmm. thing in the for the entire game almost. Um, and then under empathy, we have medical aid, manipulation, and command. And they're interesting because medical aid isn't really like there is like so a, little you can do with medical aid if you're yeah, not a medic. I mean from experience if you're I mean and we'll get to the fact that they don't even tell you to to have a xenomorph in your game but but the damage that can be done to your characters is is random as well if you get hurt uh, sorry <clears throat> if you get hurt you just have to roll on a table and I know we'll get there but it's so random to have you know, you could just roll poorly and die. Yeah. And your medic really can't do much about it. Correct. So that's a weird skill. I, I remember thinking it was a bit of a redundant skill. Yes, yes. But I think there is a reason I've put it there and I think it's for the different types of play. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely redundant for us, but it can't be redundant for everything. Otherwise, no. it wouldn't be there. No, you're right. For sure. 
Um, manipulation is deception, but it could also be like persuasion, persuasion as well. As well. Yeah. So that f- it falls under anything like that. And then command is sort of like openly telling someone to do something. Yeah, which um, which which actually really plays in f- really well with that stress element, which we haven't spoken about. I'm really getting ahead of myself. It's here. okay, but. Um, it helps with role-playing a lot. I know there's a point in the game where someone commands me. Yeah. And I didn't want to do it. Personally, and, were, and my character yeah. didn't want to do it. And I lost the role. And I was like, well, fuck. Yeah. Can I swear on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, fuck, fuck. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's really, really cool. Um, yeah. So, other than that, other than that, so the way... That oh, works... my question. I want to ask my question really sure, quickly. Sure, right, right. Or it's, it's less of a question and more of a sort of uh, interesting thought. Yeah. It was hard to... To have, I feel like having only three skills is a really nice and simple way to look at it. But I feel like also it really falls down to how competent your DM is, yeah, or your okay. GM is, because there are things that I wanted to do that I wasn't, I wasn't sure where they would sit, and it's hard if you were trying to manipulate people or you're trying to command people and you don't really want them to know yeah. to be able to say it out loud. And there were some times where you think, okay, well, it's not really manipulation, you know, it's I kind of just want to. I just want to, maybe I guess it is like subtly persuade, but yeah, but there yeah, is yeah. no persuasion versus deception. I'm not lying to you. I'm telling the truth, but I'm telling it very forcefully. Yeah, you know? and it's hard because when you're when you're trying to avoid metagaming as well, like it's hard when you know a ca- someone else wants to make you do something, but uh-huh. they don't want to go out and say it. Yeah, because then that player is going to know, and you don't you want to avoid that sort of stuff. So it's, it's not easy. Yeah. So when you're creating your character, you have 14 points to distribute. Amongst those four abilities, the four a- a- attributes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Attra- attributes. Sorry, and it's really interesting because that number, like, if you're gonna try and specialize in anything, that number's gonna be low for everything else, which is yeah, like you're gonna either be like average at everything or like slightly competent at everything. It kind of makes sense though once you realize how the dice roll, and yes. I will go back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the first thing. It's really simple, and then you have, I think it's only. You only get eight points to put stuff across. Yeah. Which is interesting. So you now, can't really specialize in a specific skill more than anything. You could put one in all of them. But you're not going to get much out of it. And again, no. well, like it might come down, it might help in situations of high stress. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I don't think it will. And that really comes down to the rolling. And yeah. The rolling will make the numbers make sense as well. The rolling in this game is specified right it's it's simplified i should say simplified yeah. there's not a, a set of 10 dice you need d6s and d6s only only get as many as you can and when we say get as many as you can at one point in our game someone had to roll 19 d6s yes so Which... luckily we had probably 20 amongst the three of us yeah but that's it is absurd how many d6 you roll <laughs> yeah. because for each number that you've got in your attribute or your skill that's how many d6s you roll. So if yeah. I had a, a four in strength and a two in close combat, I'm immediately rolling eight d6 yeah. for any skill in close combat. Yeah. So it's, it is just wild. Simple, but wild. The simplicity, I think, does make up for the amount of dice. And the reason I think they've done this system is just for ease of access. Everyone's got a six-sided dice somewhere in their house. Yeah. And you can easily just go onto Google and say, roll six-sided dice. Yeah, 100%. And just put it in there and it can roll a large amount of dice for you. Um, the succeeding and failing with the dice is really simple as well. Mm. If you roll a six once on any one of these dice, you, you succeed. succeed. yeah. If you roll a, 
And that that's pretty much it. Yeah. For for success and failure. You either succeed or you don't. Mm-hmm. It's the additional sixes. So if I roll a com tech check, let's say, to yep. open a door that yep. is locked, I'm just going to hack into it. Sure. I have four in wits, two in com tech. I have six dice. I roll the six dice. Yep. I get two sixes. Yeah. So I've succeeded. Yep. I then have a spare D6. Yes, you have another six. So yes. another success. A success and a success, Jesse. What could this possibly mean? Exactly. Well, funny you should ask that. For every <laughs> single skill in the game, there is a list of what's called stunts that you can then spend your extra successes on. Yeah. Well, extra successes? or So if I roll, for example, I roll one success and then three other sixes... Do I get to choose three stunts or do I just go to one stunt? You can use three. <gasps> you can do the four. What? Can... We never got to do that. How... No, no, but none. That's why. I mean, how many times are you going to roll multiple sixes? Yeah. But like, for example, if we, with our context stunt that we get to choose from, we have a list of things that we can choose from and we get to choose one. We get plus one to a later related roll. We don't need to overcome this again. We can do whatever we're doing in half the usual time. We get new or unexpected information. We can hide our tracks or we just show off. So that's what we can spend those extra successes on, which is yeah. really cool. It's a really, really cool system. A nice rewarding system for something that a player's not really doing. You know, no. like it's just a, a hope and see, but a couple of times that extra, uh, actually specifically a couple of times that you never have to pass this check again. Saved your really comes in handy. So many times. Yeah. And like, if I did use that one specifically on this door that we're doing for our com check, com tech check, I don't need to ever check to hack this door again. Yeah, or, or this type of door again. Or this type of door. And depending on your GM, maybe a door at all. Maybe you can just hack doors now. Who yeah. knows? I would suggest if it's a campaign, probably not. Yeah, but if probably it's the not. other game mode, then probably. Yeah. Okay, so you... So, so... There's two really integral parts to this system that pretty much make it I it's think. the it's it's one of the best features i've ever experienced in in tabletop it's also one of the most ridiculous though because so some, silly so silly sometimes but so horrifying at other yeah points. yeah yeah um and it's called stress and basically stress gets activated under a number of conditions that your gm essentially has a list for um the gm's called the game mother by the way is it called the game mother yeah which is really cool that's horrifying to um, know yeah, so basically... So this, by the way, at the start is what I was talking about, how this is a really helpful tip and helpful sort of guide to yeah. how to roleplay because you literally have a stress meter. Yeah, which is really fun. So basically you have t- like a stress that keeps going and every time you fail it goes up or when yeah. you push a roll deliberately, then yeah, your stress so Every time increase. you roll a one, your stress goes up or every time you fail a, uh, an attempt... Um, no, so I'm going to go through the list here that, that gives you stress. Sweet. So if you push a skill roll, if you f- fire a burst of a full auto weapon, if you summer, suffer any damage, if you go without sleep, food, or water, if a scientist on your team fails to analyze something, yeah. which is cool, um, a member of your own crew attacks you, a person nearby is revealed to be an android... <laughs> Or you encounter certain creatures or locations as determined by the scenario or the GM. So yeah. th- that's essentially also the way the game can, the GM can just be like, it's scary in here. Yeah. You're stressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the reason stress is so interesting because every single point of stress that you have gives you another dice for your roll. Yep. Just flat out. Yep. Which gives you a higher rate of success. Yeah. However, those additional stress dice have to be kept separate from your rolling dice. Yeah, from your attributes and skills dice. Because if you get a one on your stress dice, you will do what's called panic. 
which means oh, you pretty so much good. automatically fail. Yep. Well, not necessarily. We had a lot of people panic and succeed, yes. which is the weirdest thing about that um, And even then, that, I, that was the thing. I was never entirely sure whether that was true or not, but this, the, the failing on some of the stress things that were happening didn't, didn't make sense. Didn't make sense, so yeah, exactly. Just... So I guess that's, again, up to the game mother. Yeah. So if you so you keep those dice separately. Yes. And then if you roll those panic dice, so if I'm four panicked, yep. right, I will roll four additional dice. Yes. And, and if, if you get sixes on them, you will succeed. But yeah. if you get ones on any of those panic dice, you have to roll on the panic table. On these stress dice, you have to roll on the panic table. Correct. Sorry. The panic table is a lot of fun. So much fun. You add your stress level plus whatever you roll to yeah. a new roll of this dice. You only roll, need to roll 1d6. Mm-hmm. And then on that table is a list of things that happen. And they're so good. So if it's a 6 or less, you keep it together, you're fine. 7, you start nervously twitching. And then you gain a stress point. You gain stress and everyone, all your friends around you gain a stress level. In, in, within short range which makes sense if I'm a marine and I'm walking through a room and I start twitching because I'm scared like everyone else everyone yeah. else would be scared um, a 9 you just drop the item in your hands which <laughs> if it's a gun or something to defend yourself that's bad yep. Um, yep, you are, the GM decides which thing you're dropping if you have two items in your hand on a 10 you just freeze you can't move at all which is really rough yep. you lose your next point of action um, your stress level and the stress level of ev- all your friendly PCs in short range increases again. 11. This one, 11 messed us up a few times. Uh, seek cover. Yeah. You must use your next action to move away from danger and find a safe spot if possible. Yeah. You're allowed to make a retreat. If you have an enemy to engage, your stress level is decreased by one, but the stress level of all friendly player characters in short range increases by one. Again. After one round, you can act normally again. So again, very... Manipulative action here. Mm-hmm. At twelve, you just scream. Yep. Everyone that can hear you goes up by stress. Yep. Um, but your stress le- level decreases by one. Um, and you lose your next point of action. You you flee is number thirteen. You just can't take it anymore. You run away. That's pretty much it. Um, you lose stress level by one. But everyone that sees you run away has to make a panic roll. <laughs> Psychotic, this is 14. Yep. You must immediately attack the nearest person or creature, friendly or not. You won't stop until the target is broken. That's a state that we'll get into later. Every friendly character who witnesses your rampage must make a panic roll. And then a 15 plus, you are catatonic. You collapse on the floor. You can't take it anymore. You can't talk. You can't move. You just stare blankly into oblivion. It's some of the funnest rolling I've done in a tabletop yeah watching people roll on the panic table was always fun and there's a point where the panic table really makes our game turn for the worse yes and the panic table is interesting because it just cascades it has this effect that if one person starts panicking while everyone's already on like four or five stress yep there's a chance that everyone just keeps perpetually rolling the stress table until everyone goes fucking mental yeah which is crazy. Luckily, we didn't get that happen. We didn't have that cascading meltdown. Yeah. But there is the opportunity for it, which is really interesting. Well, I think it's also an interesting thing because it seems like it's geared towards combat, but you are always rolling your stress die no matter what. Yeah. So there can be a point that you're just with your party talking to an NPC and flee because yeah. you rolled poorly on your stress die. So it's this, fun, it's this always present, omnipresent sort of uh, threat, yeah. I guess. 
And that's the thing. There's only there's specific instances where you must roll your stress dice. Usually the game mother can tell you and do a panic roll. Um, but again, if you roll... It's a, first of all, if anyone's come up on that stress dice, you roll. If you witness a friendly character suffering from a certain panic attack, attack effect, you roll it. If you are pinned down by a ranged attack, you roll a panic. Makes sense. If you suffer a critical injury, you roll a panic. If you're attacked by a strange creature, creature alien that you've never seen before, you roll, roll a panic. Yep. And if a truly terrifying event occurs, you roll panic. So again, that's like truly terrifying is the way that the game mother can just be like, hey, everyone roll stress. Yeah. Or roll a panic, sorry. And it's, it's with, so with the stress and the panic, it, it, it sort of creates this, all right, well, if I'm going to play a campaign of Alien, so if I'm really going to set it, settle in for a two-year campaign or something or a year-long campaign, uh, you know, panic is really cool. But there is another mode in Alien, which is really cool and something that I'm re- I really dig. Um, yeah, so the game, the, the, the source book talks about two game types, uh, cinematic and campaign play. Campaign play is exactly what you would expect it to be. It is the long-form campaign play. And pretty much the entire book uh, is actually just resources for that game for that campaign play. It comes with ships, it comes with some maps, it comes with like a space station map as well, which we utilize differently. Um, Even creating characters is actually only meant to be done for campaign play. Um, Yeah, that's that's really cool. Really fascinating. But the other side of it, which is the side we explored, um, is cinematic play. The coolest idea. Now, cinematic play is pretty much, it's a lot more work on the GM... However, what you're doing is you're essentially creating your own alien movie. Yeah. And and pretty much you are setting up the scenario, you're writing the characters, you're giving them certain traits, mm-hmm. you're giving them like likes, dislikes, they don't like people, they hate this person, they have a friend, whatever. You're writing all of that on the character sheet and then you are handing it over to your players, yeah. which pretty much is you're establishing dynamics automatically correct importantly you're not you're not giving a uh, end goal for each of the characters there's still total free choice from the characters i felt like i could do whatever i want um but it is a cool way to do exactly what you said jess is yep. is to create your own alien movie and it's such a cool insight into a friend's brain yeah like, your really alien movie was dope i was right? really happy with it and that yeah. was after immediate exposure to the alien and aliens movie yeah not knowing anything about them other than I know there's an alien and I know there's a few memes. Yeah. Um, and I've seen a lot of imagery from it, which isn't even in the first Alien movie, by the way. A lot of the Im- imagery is from aliens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even then, like I thought the power loader was alien. I thought the nope. f- I thought the alien face going against her was alien as well. That's not. It's not no. in there. It's aliens. Mm. So random. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah cinematic was what we played and it's just so fascinating because I feel like you could give the game mother role to any one of your friends and you get a completely different experience which is so cool yeah I I just I mean it kind of also we did kind of do a hybrid cinematic campaign we did because because I let the, let my players make their own characters. Yeah, because I, I, yeah. I wanted, I wanted one when we're doing when we're doing this podcast in such a short amount of time, creating a character is the quickest way for your players to learn the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but if we were doing this, um, as like a Saturday night 
party thing like we've yeah. got five of my mates that we get together for board games and stuff hey we're gonna play this alien game here's your character that would be really cool uh, personally I think I'd, if we if we were to ever do cinematic gameplay again I'd like to create my character again yeah because you know as a player you start to learn and you're like well okay cool like you know I chose I, I made certain choices in this that I probably wouldn't make again or maybe I would and I'd play it a little differently so I like the idea of cinematic play especially because in the book they literally tell you do not get a xenomorph into your campaign because they are ridiculous. <laughs> they are yep. ridiculous, and they have to be because it's mm. this. It's the sense of all the horror. Yeah. Um. So it's fun to get that alien into alien. Yeah, and actually enjoy it. enjoy that moment, knowing that it's like, yeah, the characters will die, and it's not two years of fun down the track, down the down the bin. Yeah. You know, and two years of fun moment. down the bin in. I mean, I know we're gonna we could talk about the xenomorph yeah. later, but like there was, you know, there's a there's a if the xenomorph hits you and it rolls a high on the a dice, six, yeah. right? It, it just bites your head off and you are dead. <laughs> That's it. Like if it damages you, so if it hits you and it does damage, which it will, you die straight away. Yeah. So it is it is a it is a pretty powerful tool that the the GM has. Yeah. Available and to even them. then, even when it talks about some um, cinematic play, uh, sorry, uh, campaign play. It, it gives you so many... It gives you almost every alien from the Aliens movie yeah, yeah. as well. But then it also gives you the goop from Pr- Pr- Prometheus. Yep. So you can own. make your own, which oh, is really dope. cool. And yeah. they go, this is these are the rules for creating your own alien. So if you don't want to kill your players accidentally, just make something new that they can take yeah. that is still scary. Um, but working within that uh, cinematic gameplay allows you to use the Xenomorphs. And that's the thing. I only use like the normal Xenomorph. It was strong enough. Yes, yeah. <laughs> there is. Enough. You can still get the queen xenomorph and like the bigger forms of the xenomorph as yeah. well, which is just wild. I I chose the sentry xenomorph, which was the or the scout xenomorph. Yeah, which is just a variation on the three xeno on the on the normal xenomorph. It uh-huh. just had it's just a statistical difference. That's right. all it is. It just meant that it could move zones quicker, right. which is what I got it to do. Yeah. Um. I mean, you can you can hear you'll hear in the recording when the the, the the mood in the room changed when the xenomorph arrived. Spoilers: Ooh, There's yeah. a xenomorph, but it it really changed. It super did. That you think about. I didn't even think about. No, it yeah, now. we started. I I white knuckled it a little for a while. Yeah, right? and yeah. I, and 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 the thing is, I had so much that I wanted to do, and then the xenomorph was getting in the way. Yeah. Um. Speaking of though, once the xenomorph arrived, you have to break down your moves. Uh. You know, in usual, you've got like initiative and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can start talking about. We might as well move into combat now. So, combat's really quite simple at a base level. Yeah. If you're in combat, you have a fast action and a slow action. Yep. A fast action is what you would expect. It's anything you can do quickly. Think of it akin to like your bonus action and your movement from D&D, yep. if you're familiar with D&D. Absolutely. But uh, your fast actions are things like aiming, blocking, crossing a hatchway, drawing a weapon, driving, getting up, grabbing a wheel, a grapple attack, picking up an item, pushing someone over, retreating, running, seeking cover, setting overwatch, or using an item. Like it's anything you can do in an instant. Yep. Um, which is one of the... the Actually, fast actions is something that I do like over some of D&D's mechanics oh certainly because being able to grapple someone as a fast action and still do something or like yanking someone's wheel like while they're driving as a fast action and then still being able to do something makes a lot more sense realistically than... I can do two things in six six seconds pretty easily yeah yeah but in D&D you're just not allowed to yeah 
Um, and then your slow actions, which usually require a roll. Um, uh, breaking grapple, doing a close combat attack, crawling, donning a spacesuit, entering and exiting a vehicle, first aid, using full auto on a weapon, giving orders, persuading someone, reloading, shooting, starting an engine, stopping panic, or throwing a weapon. So it's all, pretty much every slow thing is some sort of defensive. It's, a, like, it's an action. It's, it's an like action. a really, it's something you must actually do. Yeah, yeah. So it's... At, at the base level, that's it for combat. That's all you need to worry about because mm. your your game mother is going to prompt you on what you need to roll for any of the slow actions and then the fast action you can do. If you... The economy works in that you can either do a fast and a slow or you can do too fast. Yeah, which it ended up being quite important in sort of like in traveling, you know, running away or something. Yeah. You really got to be really careful. I feel like the, ga- the, the movement economy in this style can bite you in the ass if you don't yeah um, if you don't use it properly because yeah. there isn't a movement it's no. not like like in D how you've got x amount of movement and then you do an action yeah so no basically run, run or do something yeah so when you when you're moving in this game everything sort of breaks down into zones based on the map that you're in and rooms that you're in and whenever you move you can just transition from one zone to the other like within your turn like that it's just a really simple way of doing it um and even there's very unique stealth mechanics that we're not going to get into because it's it's simple enough that you can read it we don't really need to go into it but essentially it's just a way that the game is like if you're being quiet you can move this zone you can move one zone at a time Specific stealth without rules, yeah. making sound essentially that's how it works um and then you you roll for it and see how you go um but the zone movement really simplifies the game you don't get caught caught down in how many feet something is away you know yeah i think in our experience as well that came down to your gming because we just say we are running i'm yes. running where am i going and that was the thing my in in the game you guys didn't really need to track how how much you were moving i just told you where you moved yeah, to. yeah didn't really matter when, when when you were given options you chose a direction yeah. and i said you get to here i mean we always had an end objective like we need to get to the cargo bay or we need to get to the the lab or whatever it is but yeah. we'll run and you'll just tell us how fast we're going to get yeah, there. yeah yeah and that worked really well for us i think yeah it did it was really simple as well um again another really simple mechanic in the game uh which needs to be in every game is turn order. How does that work? Yeah, initiative was cool in this one. Um, I believe when you, if you buy this game uh, physically for yourself physically, yeah. you receive a deck of cards. Yeah, and that's, that's numbered right. one to ten. Yeah, and you can just pull a deck of cards and okay, here's all right. I pulled three. That's my initiative. All right, there's no four. There's no modifier. There's no nothing. That's yep. your initiative. We didn't have the deck of cards in our no. um, experience, so we just used a D10. Which is what um, the game says to do. Correct. I do know that if you're using a deck of cards, you can't double up initiative. Yes. Um, which happened a couple of times to us, but it wasn't game-breaking. Yeah. So if you've got the cards, uh, a really cool mechanic in this one is that you can swap initiative. I believe that's a skill or a talent, mm. um, and you can swap initiative with someone. So if you need the Marine to be going first, then the scientist has got the first one. It makes sense that the marine will probably grab the scientist and pull him <laughs> pull, to the back yeah, of, the, yeah, yeah, to, exactly. of the pack. So, so initiative was really nice and simple, very streamlined, um, and and is exactly what it needs to be. Yeah, you know, I don't. I, I, yeah, D and D is great. 
but you, I don't need to be adding enormous amount of multiply, like uh, modifiers to my thing. Yeah. I roll the dice and that's my number. Yeah, it's really simple. And, it, and it's just a way of like, the way the game sort of justifies it as well. It's like, no matter how prepared you are or how good you are, the stress of the situation might mean that you take a second to respond. Absolutely. Even if you're the, like, the heavy gun-toting guy, yeah. you might just take that little bit longer than the scientist who is sort of blocking out whatever's happening to do something yeah. quickly. Now, so this that's... is one of my favorite things about this whole system is that everything is justified so perfectly well within the story and within the game type and within the IP with the panic stuff and, 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 and the initiative as well mm-hmm. that a simple, a simple dice roll can really be explained away and, and performed away if you yeah. will, you know, yeah. you, I mean, as when you're role playing, you're still performing for all of your friends and you're performing for yourself. So it's this really cool, um, idea. Yeah. I really like it. Really simple. Yeah. Really simple. Just takes a lot of time. Oh, like there's a lot less yeah I mean we had a lot of we had a lot of gripes with the amount of d6s we had to roll by the end there because everyone's at an 8 panic so you're just plus whatever you do plus 8 d6 <laughs> yeah. and then okay well I panicked alright now I have to re-roll and then I have to do yeah. something it does so just have to get gummed up a little bit it, in the just end, a little especially when we're doing a cinematic type and you've got an alien chasing you down and you have to go well I'd like to try and open this door you're like okay Go ahead and roll nineteen d six. You're like, yeah, okay, give me, give me two. Seconds. Give me a second to see how many sixes or yeah. ones I got. Yeah. yeah. Um, lastly, we will talk about the xenomorph. Yeah, and please, because cool I still because don't know all that you, much about yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Um, I know that it kills me, and it, it and, yeah. and, and and or it can, and it's bloody good. So there's a few parts to the xenomorph. Um, I actually had statistics for three monsters. I'm not going to tell you which three because that. That might ruin it. But you know you're going to get a Xenomorph. So let's just talk about the Xenomorph. So the first of all, Xenomorphs have special abilities. Um, and at least like the regular Xenomorph, the one we're familiar with from the movies. What? Yeah. So the first thing to talk about with the Xenomorph is that you don't roll for anything as a Xenomorph. There's only one time you roll and that's on an attack. And that is to randomize what attack it does. Yeah, it doesn't have skills. Correct. Yeah. It does. So you're never rolling as a Xenomorph. You're just doing things. Um, I was using the Sentry Xenomorph, which has a speed of 3, um, and a health of 8. Uh, again, <laughs> health in this game is crazy. Health's crazy low. Crazy low. It's just whatever your strength score is. Yep. That's it. That's it. And if you get hit, you will take more than that amount of damage without question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what you had the most health because you were an android, which we didn't speak about. We'll actually quickly talk about androids before Xenomorphs. Yeah, I played an android. I was a synth. You get an additional four. uh, I believe it's an additional four or maybe, okay, so an additional three. Yeah, you get additional three to two attributes. Yeah, so I plussed my empathy and, and my strength. So I had this enormous amount of manipulation ability and command ability if I wanted to I didn't really use that all that much mm. and strength which makes sense because I was a robot right um, and it was this really interesting thing because I didn't get affected by stress at, at all. all yeah you had no the stress mechanics had no hold on your character at never all. I never got stressed because I don't have really I'm not really a person right? but so, we had to fake your stress rolls for the whole game okay so that's right so we had a couple of choices I could either tell everybody they knew I was an android I'm just the android of the group a la Aliens 2 or we could pull a fast one, which I kind of really wanted to do, um, like Ash in Alien. What in Alien? Um, so we didn't tell anybody. Uh, we've told you, so spoilers alert. But you can really tell by the way that I play it. Um, uh, I didn't do it too subtly, but I loved it. I thought it was great. I wouldn't play an Android again. 
because you don't get the because stress you didn't stuff. get the stress, and I was really excited about the stress. Um, and you know, it, it, you know, this idea of it was kind of cool. I had my own little story going. You know, there was points where Jess was Jesse was like messaging me different directives that I needed to do and things like that. Um, and I get hurt in different ways, and I get injured in different ways, and I'm easily repairable and things like that. So yeah, it was a really cool. Um, it was really cool, but. I had the most health at six, and I got six health wiped out in very quickly two turns. Yeah, something like that. So it, it was just crazy. Yeah. It, it was crazy amount of damage from the xenomorph. But yeah, so to put put that in perspective, the xenomorph has eight health, where a character might have like one two, of our other characters had had two. Had two. Yeah. So not not it's not nothing. Um, mobility was twelve. Observation was ten. Oof. So the the observation ten. Gave the xenomorph a lot of the like a very high chance to hear anything that happened, and at one point there is a stress table activated, which made me check if the xenomorph heard something, and then I rolled ten dice and it did hear it. So of course it did. It rolled yeah. well. It well ten dice. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just like, yep, it's coming. And then also it's like it has an armor rating, so you have to do a certain amount of damage beyond a beyond a certain number, and then it's a, lastly, it's a game yeah. killer. It's game killer. It has. So many special abilities. It has the acid blood. Yeah. So there's an acid, acid, acid <laughs> splash mechanic. Yeah, which so is if, you, if you get if you hit it, it bleeds. It could hit you. It could hurt you. Yes. It can sprint. It can do. It can essentially do two zones worth of movement for one fast action. Uh, it had a resist. It's resistant to a vacuum. It doesn't take much damage falling. It's immune to the cold. Immune to radiation up to a certain point. It doesn't need to breathe. It doesn't have a heat signature. Like it is. Fucked. It's a pretty impressive unit. Yeah. Um, now, getting into the attacks of the Xenomorph, because as I said, you don't really roll for anything. You only roll once the Xenomorph has decided what it's going to do and how you're going to use it. So basically, you just have to... You have its movement range to utilize Yep. on its turn. Yeah. So, and it can take turns. There are some Xenomorphs that can like take turns every time someone does something. For cinematic play, it's pr- it kind of just alludes to the fact that it's like, hey, just do what you want with the Xenomorph. Just don't be a dick about it because you want to make a good story. You don't want to just kill your players with the Xenomorph for fun. Or maybe you do. Or maybe you do. But and you want to see how far they can get. Yeah. Um, but when the Xenomorph comes to attacking, it has only six options. And that is you roll a d6 and whatever it comes up is you choose it. So for a one, which is what you want it to get, oh. it just assesses the situation. It sits back and figures out what it's going to do. But it can also give silent orders to other xenomorphs because because yeah. it has like brain, it's hive mind. mind stuff. But when it does that, everyone just gets stressed because the xenomorph is just standing there and looking at you. Terrifying. Yeah, it's horrifying. Two, the Xeno leaps for the largest group of enemies and roars a challenge, sweeping its arms and legs and tail through the ranks. All targets within short range must succeed a mobility roll or be knocked on their feet, taking one point of damage. Just knocking you down can do half half your health to one yep. person. Three is an all-out attack that's very clear, just attacks. It rolls like 12 dice, I think. Yeah, that one's yeah, 12 really dice. hard. That one's really rough. Um... Capture for the hive basically can take someone away and like capture them and put them up in like the webbing and shit. No yeah, yeah, yeah. way, which is brutal. Oh because my god! It just goes, it just goes cool. And if that's a player character, 
You gotta rescue them. You have to rescue them. In the hive. Yep, you gotta go into the hive and get them. Oh my god. Yeah. It pulls a punch. Like, so the xenomorph will pull a punch if it attacks you. So you're on one health. Deliberately one health. It leaves you on one health. Then it takes you away. Um... If the the victim must make a stamina roll, which determines how many rounds you are alive for, um, oh my. or how how long you're not unconscious for before you fall unconscious, and then you yeah you get put into the egg chamber. That is horrifying. Yes, that is, that right there is horrifying. Yes, <laughs> considering that the, considering what the next two are. So our five is die for the queen. The xenomorph, desperate to protect its hive and queen, leaps towards an enemy, eviscerating itself as it does so. Its acidic blood showers everywhere. All targets within short range of the xeno suffer immediate acid splash of 12 base dice. The xeno dies squealing. Why didn't it do that? (laughs) (laughs) It didn't. It didn't! It, we and never rolled a five. It never oh, just killed itself at you. That would have been great if it just ripped itself in half. Yep. And then the last one is the head bite. The xenomorph opens its outer jaws wide and the deadly inner jaw leans out, gnashing in anticipation before snapping forwards. The attack is rolled with 10 base dice, damage 2. If it causes any damage to Which, the victim... So if it succeeds... Yep. Uh, it automatically f- inflicts a critical injury of number 64, killing the victim immediately. Yep. So, whenever a xenomorph attacks you, there's a 1 in 6 chance you will immediately die. Immediately die. Although there is a 1 in 6 chance that it will kill itself. Yes. So, that's handy. But, and there's also, if you have certain armor as well... You might be you might, If you have, like, armor rating of, like, above a 2, you won't take that damage. But it can also... It's still it pretty does, scary for does, a lower level character. For us, we yes. were level 1. Well, level, yeah, that's the thing. Really, the advancement really is levels. just like you get points and then you spend it just to level oh, up those wild. numbers. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah. So, so the xenomorph is is a piece of work, but it's, it's but it's an accurate piece of work. Yes, correct. And that's and that's so important in something like this. The xenomorph isn't like xenomorph in aliens. No, where like they're just dropping by the hundreds. Are they? I haven't seen aliens in a aliens, long time. Aliens, there's not kill hundreds, but they, they do kill a few. In the first one, it's like... I mean, they don't have the resources, I understand, but like, it's very much alien one. Yeah, well, e- yes, it is. But even then, like, I did give you some resources from the second movie, and that ended up not helping you at all. Really. Not even a little bit. But no. that, that might have been our, our choices. We got ourselves into a stairwell at one stage. It's this tight, you know run downstairs situation where we're getting chased by an enormous alien that's you know our guns aren't really conducive especially we learned uh, the hard way that yes, you yeah. shouldn't attack it in close quarters yeah um but that's pretty much it for the yeah. system that's everything so it's pretty, it's pretty simple yeah um i'm dming this one obviously because i wouldn't bring Aiden in and then be like hey you're gonna dm a whole season although here. my alien movie would be dope yeah, yeah. Maybe right. we can do like maybe we can do a little something, something one day. Um, players, we have you. Yes. Um, one of my other D and D players, Jordan. Yes. And then Fraser, who is a theatrical writer friend of mine. Yeah. Um, he was a great addition as well. So we had we're so much fun. we're very excited. I'm very excited for you to listen to it. Um, we will be releasing this next Saturday. Sweet. So the the first episode of the real play will be next Saturday. So. Um, stay tuned. Um, I'm pretty happy with it. I got a lot of alien sound effects in there, which I'm very happy with. Like yeah. the real ones from the movie, because yep. I just knew. I knew that was going to make it you It really scared. was frightening. Um, I did a lot of audio work 
on the board this season. Usually I do everything in post, but this one I did it all live, which means I have less work, which is so good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, we will see you next episode for Alien Solitude Lost, is what I've called it. So school, so scary. So so school. School is scary scary cool. Yeah. Anyway, we will see you then. Thanks. Bye. Tabletop unknown.